Wow. The Lord had a lot of rich words to encourage us, to strengthen us, to prepare us. Um, So thank you, church, for praying and for listening and for sharing. And um, I I tried to write it all down. (laughs) And um, these things, whatever whatever you heard, um, when God gives these words of encouragement, it's for us to receive, for us to believe, for us to act on, to consider. And so um, he was saying, I am the word, I'm the living word, Um, you're chosen, Um, and church, you're going to bear fruit that will last. Um, Keep on praying. Bring, be those that bring the living water. Be those that bring your aches to him. Fear not. We heard that multiple times, right? Um, Seek the things above. Seek the Lord. Um, Do not fear. Do not fear. Let your soul be satisfied in him. God is good and his love endures forever. And he sees and we've been anointed to um, proclaim good news and to bring the kingdom in various ways because he's so compassionate towards the world. And so um, God's presence prepares us, and we're prepared in his presence. And I want to look at Isaiah 6 this morning. So um, if you're not real familiar with your Bible, go to Psalms and then keep leafing through a few more books, and you'll find um, Isaiah But as we think about these words that we've heard, we think about the sermons that we've heard recently uh, as Pastor Dave preached before Christmas and as Anne um, wrote the message. I hope you all read it or you can go back and find your email um, of how Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. A beautiful um, Christmas message. Unfortunately, we couldn't hear it in person, but you can read it and reflect on that. Um, But God is preparing us. And you might remember that a few weeks back, Pastor Dave talked about that there were these prophetic words that were given to Gold Avenue Church, that the Lord wanted to use us to bring revival. And he said, we started to see some first fruits of people coming into the kingdom, but we weren't ready yet. And so um, this has been a a multi-year since 2014. We've been preparing, trying to prepare ourselves. Lord, how would you have us prepare So we've got a trained prayer ministry to help people when they come into the kingdom and they've got aches and hurts. Um, We have experienced the gospel tool and learning how to make disciples. We needed experience with that. We've got care elders and deacons that weren't in place. But we needed to have systems to care for people um, as they come in. And so um, we've worked to get those, and we're thankful for um, our care elders and deacons. We needed to be willing to welcome the manifestations of the Holy Spirit and um, become familiar with the gifts of the Spirit. And we've wondered and prayed, are there more ways that you want to prepare us, Lord? We, want to, we, we believe you want to do this. Are there other things that you want to do? And we um, have sensed that perhaps we needed to have a time of personal and corporate um, cleansing. Is there anything that's blocking the flow is there anything that's getting in the way of revival in our lives also recognizing some of us just need personal revival Um, we've been through sad things difficult years 
and we want to be enthusiastic and excited about this coming revival that's been spoken about, but we're just dog-tired. And um, I know, because I'm a pastor, and um, I'm not speaking about one person, but I've heard from several of you this week. It's been a tearful week. It's been a hard week. There have been things that you've reached out, and so this isn't one person. And if you're one of those that have reached out to me, um, I'm not talking about just you. But there are many of us that have been hurting, and we just need to be encouraged, healed, strengthened, revived personally. And so um, there's lots of brokenness, and we have the effects of brokenness in our world. And so... um, We feel like there's just something that the Lord might want to do to just strengthen each of us so that we have the capacity, again, to be excited about the ministry. We also have wondered, do we need more persistent, unified prayer as a church? And so um, that's kind of how that we um, have been thinking, how does the Lord want us to prepare and be expectant? For this revival. And I believe the Lord wants to meet us and encourage us today on this first day of 2023. Can you believe it? (laughs) A new year. And a lot of people say, oh, happy new year. I want to say holy new year. Blessed new year. Peaceful new year. And I believe the Lord wants to bless us today. And so as we get ready to look at Isaiah... I just want to tell you a little bit of the background. Isaiah, um, the book of Isaiah is quoted in the New Testament more than any other book other than Psalms. So it's an important book. And actually, I noticed that several of you had scriptures from Isaiah today. Um, Judah had failed to be the people of God in the world. They weren't representing him. They weren't trusting him. They were worshiping idols. They lacked social justice. And any time there's idolatry, it inevitably leads to injustice because people are prioritizing themselves at the expense of others or taking advantage of other things. So this is what was going on back in that country. And then they had just lost their king. Their king had been their king for 50 years. It had been relatively peaceful, and he had died. And you know that whenever there's leadership transition, there can be anxiety and fearfulness that goes along with that, as well as Assyria, a country nearby, was threatening to come in with military attack. And so we've watched what that looks like in the world um, with Russia and Ukraine and seeing all those tanks and wondering when is this going to happen and the anxiety that goes with the military threat and fear, and that's what they were facing. God's people needed reform and they needed revival. They needed to get their eyes off of what was going on in the world, and they needed to get their eyes back on the Lord and turn away from those things that they were lusting after and turning towards because they had desires, they had um, concerns, and they were maybe going for comfort um, or going to some other forms of um, fulfilling their satisfaction other than being totally satisfied with the Lord. And it's at this time where there's much moral and spiritual decay that God chooses to reveal his presence. And so let's pray a minute before I read the scripture. 
Lord, um, I thank you for your word, your living word, your active word. And I pray that as I read your word right now, that you would meet us, that you'd speak to us, and that you would strengthen and encourage us and guide us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. This is a simple message. It's got a couple of points. One is this, point one. A law is revealed when God chooses to manifest his presence. It reveals a whole lot. And so let me just tell you a few things that it reveals when God manifests his presence. First thing is the essential symbol of a relationship between Yahweh and his people is his presence with him. So when God shows up and reveals himself, it reminds Isaiah, oh, I'm in relationship with God. We're in relationship together. The king has died, but God is with me. All right, God's presence, second thing is he reveals that he's king. And you know that kings wear robes and sit on thrones. And so his throne is transcendent, it's high and exalted, and so it shows his complete authority. He is the king of kings, and his throne is up high above every other throne. And so your king might be gone, and Assyria might be threatening to come in, but what do you have to fear? Because you're in relationship with me, the king of kings. That's what his throne shows. And then his robe, his robe fills the temple with glory and it fills the earth with glory. And the the robe has this train or the hem and it's it's an indication of status. If you if you've watched the royal weddings where like the train of the bride goes through the whole cathedral kind of thing, it's a status thing. It shows royalty. Okay, God's, God's robe and his hymn fills the whole temple and the whole earth. That's how many yards and yards and acres and acres of robe. Think about that. Let your mind, I was driving here thinking, how much cloth would it take to cover the whole earth? I mean, this is our king. 
It's richly decorated. It shows his rank, and it fills the temple, and it covers the earth. The third thing that's revealed is God's presence reveals his power. It's, it, it says the Lord Almighty, that Lord, the personal name of God, and the one with all might and all strength. This is who God is, and the shaking and the smoke would remind Isaiah of what God's people experienced on Mount Sinai when the mountain trembled. Now spend some time thinking about that. If I took a shovel and just tried to move a mountain, how much work would it be? What kind of power makes a mountain tremble? This is our God. And he's holy, holy, holy. And so when God is revealed, his holiness and his glory is revealed. The seraphim, this is a unique um, use of that word, and it means the burning ones, the bright ones. So there's these burning, bright ones around God, and they are so bright, and yet they have to cover their faces because of the brightness and the glory of God Almighty. This is the holiness and the glory of God. And holy, 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 they say. Three times it emphasizes Father is holy, the Son is holy, the Spirit is holy. And his holiness, it has two aspects. One is he's just completely different. He's unrivaled. He's set apart. And his holiness means that he is absolutely morally and ethically pure. His, he is, God is the standard for love. God is the standard for purity. God is the standard for faithfulness and goodness. He is love. He is good. And Isaiah stood seeing the goodness of God. And his presence reveals sin and invites confession. Isaiah says, woe is me. He's expecting he's getting ready to die. And he turns to God and he names his sin. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Lips out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So really these lips are indicating I am a sinful man. I have a sinful life and I live among sinful people. In God's holiness... Our sin is revealed. And I thought about if you've ever been out hiking in some beautiful part of God's creation that's just pristine and like the little brook is just the water is so clear you can see every little pebble. And if you're walking along and you're just seeing this beautiful sight and you see a discarded plastic bottle, it's like glaringly obvious like this does not belong here. This is what happens when Isaiah is in God's holy, holy, holy presence. This in my life, it doesn't belong. Get it out. Just get it out. Like you just, when you see one, a trash, you just want to pick it up. Even if you're not one of the tree lovers, you still, like, you know, the, what do they call them, the tree huggers, right? Um, but even if you aren't necessarily one that's always thinking about nature and conservation, when you see something, some trash that just is messing up the whole scene, out with it. I'll pack it out in my hike. All right? God invites that with our sin. Let's just pack it out. Like, like, let's just out with it. We just need to name this. This is wrong. 
And Isaiah expects and deserves judgment. He says, woe is me. I'm ruined. I've seen for myself. I don't measure up to God's goodness. I think about Pastor Dave's sermon a few weeks ago when he said that his um, daughter was being disciplined. Her actions weren't measuring up to a certain standard. And when she recognized it, she just said, Daddy, I need grace. Isaiah didn't yell, Daddy, I need grace, because actually he was still living in a time when every sin meant there had to be a loss of life. Blood had to be shed. Atonement had to be made. We live in the time when Jesus has come. Atonement has been made. His life was shed. His life, his blood was shed. His life was given once and for all. We stand in a time where we can say, Daddy, we need grace. And when God's presence is revealed, we see his mercy and we see his forgiveness and cleansing. The coal, it would have reminded Isaiah of the day of Holy of Holies, when the Day of Atonement, when the high priest would go once a year into that Holy of Holies with the the live coal and to pay the sacrifice for the sins of the people that year. That coal, the seraphim comes and touches his lips and purifies him. This is such good news. I just can imagine Isaiah thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm standing here and I'm still alive. I've lived through this. I've lived through this. He just purified me. It's a picture. It's a foreshadowing of what the book of Isaiah later would talk about, the suffering servant, the one who would lay down his life, and the father would lay the sins on the suffering servant, the picture of Jesus who was to come. So when God's presence manifests, it sure does show a lot. It reveals a lot, and it also changes us. And this is my point, too. When God manifests his presence, he restores and revives us. He, when he manifests himself, he reorients. He reoriented. Isaiah was thinking about, People speculate he might have had a high rank and, you know, connection with Uzziah and so forth. But all of a sudden, his life is reoriented around the Lord Almighty, the one who is present with him that has a relationship with him. And it puts our lives in perspective, and he restores our peace. We're in his presence. I think about how it refreshed Isaiah. He went from being... Among a people that were unclean, he was defiled. He was probably anxious, concerned about all kinds of things that were going on in the world around him. And suddenly, he sees the beauty of God. He sees the purity. He sees love, and he experiences love, and he experiences hope. He's not dead in God's presence. He's been cleansed. When we come in and we maybe have been defiled in the presence of people around us, we are unclean. We've got sin in our life still. We know that. He cleanses us. But there's time we mess up again. We sin again. And rather than hide that thing, just look at it like a plastic bottle that doesn't belong in our lives and say, God, (laughs) 
this, I'm unclean. I've done this thing. Or the people I know and I, the, the brokenness that happens because of these relationship struggles or this whatever it is. We bring those things to the Lord and we're restored, we're cleansed, we're purified, and we're prepared in his presence. Isaiah wasn't ready for his call until he had acknowledged his sin and been purified. Isaiah cooperated. Isaiah acknowledged his sin and he greatly, gratefully received God's purifying atonement. His sin was forgiven. His guilt was removed. And I just want to say something about when we confess our sins. He did not, Isaiah did not go into self-loathing. He did not go into victim mentality. He didn't go into blaming. The focus wasn't on Isaiah at all. It was on God. And he just gratefully received that grace that he received. And he stood in awe and was ready to respond. And so God points us towards his purposes when he reveals his presence. He places calls on our lives. Verse 8 says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Notice again a plural. Who will go for me? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Who will go for us? And I said, Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. It was an eager response. It wasn't a hesitant. It wasn't like a, I can't go because, you know, I just have messed up and blah, 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 blah. He was like, I've been cleansed. And if you are allowing me to live and you have a purpose for my life, I'll go. I'll go. Jackie, the words you got about a dry land, a cracked land, needing living water. Isaiah looked around his people and it was like a dry, cracked land, a broken place. And they needed to hear and be reminded of the living water that maybe the They had been refusing. They had been lusting after other things. They had been making other idols. The Lord's looking for people that will go and represent him and bring living water, something that would truly satisfy. He wasn't coerced into service. He volunteered. And so I want to say, do you sense that we, like Isaiah, are living in a time of great moral and spiritual decay? Do you need to be revived personally? Do you need a reminder of just how powerful and holy our king is? Do you long to welcome and pursue God's presence? I am eager. And this brings me to point three. We have a joyful invitation to 21 days of prayer and fasting together as a community. You heard about it when Pastor Dave preached before Christmas. You should have gotten a letter in the mail about it. The All Church email sent out some um, a notice this past Wednesday with some resources. If you haven't fasted before and you aren't sure about it, please go back and look at that. But we want to devote ourselves as a as a community together, 21 days to pray. We want to pray in unity, and so. We've started to send out, you should have gotten an email this morning, first day of 21 days of scripture and prayer together so that we can pray in unity. And we want to pray um, not to just those prayers. It's not replacing your own prayer time, but it's helping us to pray in unity 
and then carry on with what other other prayers the Lord gives you. And then fasting. And today starts the fast. And on my birthday, January 22nd, it wasn't arranged around my birthday. Just telling you. But we get to break that fast on my birthday. On the 22nd with a church potluck. And so our goal in fasting, this is not a New Year's resolution. This is not a weight loss program. This is not a get fit program, although you're going to receive blessings from it. But our goal is the Lord himself. We want more intimacy with the Lord. We want to be in his presence, recognize again afresh who he is. John Wesley declared, first let fasting be done unto the Lord with an eye singly fixed on him. Let our intention herein be this and this alone, to glorify our Father who's in heaven. Do you want to glorify the Lord? Let us glorify the Lord together through this time of prayer and fasting. We trust that God will prepare us for the year ahead, for the fulfillment of these scripture verses that were shared and the words that have been spoken before. When we fast... Richard Foster says this, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals what controls us. And so we're expecting that as we enter a season of self-denial of whatever it is that God put on your heart to deny yourself, it's going to reveal if there's other things other than God and the Holy Spirit and the glory of God that's controlling us. Or influencing our decisions? What are we turning to? If there's other things that we're trusting or turning to, any other idols in our lives, we're praying that God will show us our spiritual condition so that we can live lives of righteousness and justice. And so who are we hoping will fast during this time? Oftentimes you hear people say, you know, fasting is for the adults, but we're really sensing everybody, all from... um, not infant, of course. Okay, you're you're blessed to just keep receiving. But um, for those that are old enough to have like a favorite toy or a favorite video game or whatever it is that maybe they might say during this time, I want to pray because I love God more. When Dane and I were early married, I was really insecure. And um, I would ask him this all the time, like, Dane, how much do you love me? And um, he got tired of this conversation because he had made a vow, and he said it, you know. I mean, he said it more than once. I love you, Gina. That should have been enough. But I would go, how much do you love me? And so one day he goes, I love you more than a pepperoni pizza. And anyway, it has stuck in my mind because this guy loves pepperoni pizza, right? I want us to think about our denying of ourselves as like, God, I love you more. I love you more than eating dinner at night. I want to spend that time with you. I love you more than watching TV or reading the news. God, I love you more than eating chocolate. Or whatever it is, whatever the Lord's put on your heart. I love you more than keeping all my things to myself. I want to share my possessions with others. I love you more, and so I'm going to give this away. Are you getting the idea? There's a lot of variety. We're not telling you how you would fast, but, and this is really between you and the Lord. 
Um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up, but you've got a little card on your on your um, seat where you put your name and you say, I joyfully commit to fast from, and I want to emphasize joyfully. God doesn't like a begrudging giver. He wants us to come from the overflow of our love for him. But I'm going to invite you because when we write down something, when we um, are intentional enough to name what we're going to give up or deny, how we're going to enter this fast, it helps us to be um, follow through. And then this is between you and the Lord. And so I want you, after you've taken a moment, and we're going to just take a couple minutes to write our names and write what we're fasting from. And if the kids are participating, you can write that now or do that at home later with the kids. But then you're going to take this home and you're going to put it in a prominent place to remind you of this commitment. It's between you and the Lord. So we're just going to take a minute for you to, if you need a pen, does anybody need a pen? Yeah, a couple people need a pen. Got them. Here you go. I love colorful pens. You get a colorful pen. Anybody else need one? Yeah? Okay. All right. You need a pen? I think if you've got your card filled out, I'm not asking you to show anybody else, but I'm asking you to just hold it up. Hold it up before the Lord. Lord, um, bless, bless each one as we're making this commitment together to you. Lord, I pray that you would bless us with your presence, that you'd meet us in our time of prayer. And that you would truly, truly revive us again. I pray this with great expectation. In Jesus' name, amen.